This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to The Bunker Daily. I'm your host, Alex Andreu. It's been almost two years of GB News, the shiny puce fruit of the tree of mendacity that sprouted with Brexit and has gnarled its roots into every aspect of our lives. The point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it's to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. Those were the words of Gary Kasparov at the end of 2016, considered by many the year zero of this era of alternative facts. My guest today is an author and beloved broadcaster, pushing at the door of national treasure, really, only he's too young. He has also become, I hope you might forgive the term, the accidental pinup for the resistance to GB News. British version of Fox shock jockery. Welcome to the bunker, Matthew Sweet. Well, thank you very much for that. Matthew, um, you recently declined an invitation by GB News, calling appearing on the channel a threat to a person's reputation, like being asked to debate on the pages of Razzle. Oh, Razzle, yes. Do you remember Razzle? Yes. Why has it become so toxic so quickly, in your view? Well, I think it's a, an accident. Uh, and I think, in a way, your introduction slightly overstates the case for its importance. Um, you know, it, it isn't kind of a, a, a tree with roots everywhere. It's a rather minor thing. It's on the edges of, of broadcasting culture. Um, and it is, uh, you know, its audiences are very small. Um, but it is introducing something new into the British media landscape, something that I think Ofcom is finding quite hard to compute and quite hard to understand, uh, really, because it's, it, it wasn't really constructed to monitor and regulate uh, an entity like GB News. Yes, because I was going to say th there has uh, been one finding against GB News by Ofcom. I think there are two open investigations yeah. at the moment. But objectively, that is a pretty good record. It is. It? Absolutely it is. And uh, it's a complaints-based system. So if people don't complain, then o Ofcom don't have to do anything about it. So that's the first thing to be said about that. But also, I think, there is a sort of history to this. I mean, GB News started as an attempt to kind of widen the, the number of voices in the national debate, a perfectly laudable aim. I mean, even its desire, I think, to sort of widen the Overton window. I mean, not something to, uh, you know, to, to totally kind of dismiss or, or see as some kind of terrible plot. I think it is blundered into this space by accident, really, in trying to chase an audience, and it's discovered that its audience are tickled by this kind of conspiracist language. And I think that's the reason why it's been so, why I, I think Ofcom aren't quite equipped to deal with it, because how do you legislate for Neil Oliver, let's, let's take an example, um, sitting there saying, hmm, 
Why is Bill Gates buying up farmland in America? Hmm. Why are so many planes crashing into grain silos in America? Now, a regulator can do nothing about that because it's just too... I mean, absurd rhetorical questions. Um, but to, to I think most people sitting there and listening to that or, or watching that would think, well, what's he talking about? But if you are part of that conspiracist culture and if you read all the crazy websites that Neil Oliver clearly uh, reads, if you are part of that conspiracist culture that I think he really is and some of his uh, colleagues and former colleagues are too, um, then you'll know exactly what he's talking about. You'll know that that is a reference to this kind of bizarre, false belief that uh, that Bill Gates is kind of sabotaging American agriculture to his own kind of uh, uh, vague but probably evil ends. <laughs> and it is this that the rules fail to capture exactly what's going on. And I've noticed also a pattern that uh, a lot of people will adopt this faux, naive, I'm just asking the questions, oh, yes. persona on air, but then supplement that on social media with stuff that goes way beyond that. And the, and the two works hand in hand, in a way. Yes, I think what you get on uh, GB News, to use a vulgar comparison, is Neil Oliver still in his bra and pants, but on his Patreon channel, he can take everything off and give you the explicit version where he will talk about international finance being somehow responsible for fermenting the war in Ukraine and nonsense like that. So you can get the dirty version from these people who are, you know, on camera looking sort of slightly respectable, looking as if they might be journalists, um, but on their Patreon pages and on Rumble and BitChute and all of those places that conspiracy theorists and neo-Nazis and anti-Semites and the gathered loons of the world adore, they can give you the really crazy scuff. Like Matt Letissier, uh, often to be seen on GB News, talking about how some people have told him that these asylum seekers in British hotels might be some kind of army who are going to put down the British people when the signal comes. So you will get totally deranged things being said out there beyond GB News. And on GB News, you get the vanilla version from some of the very same people. I'm sorry, I'm still trying to recover um, from the idea of uh, Oliver's only fans version. Well, I think it's apposite because I think we should almost think of it as a kind of, it's pornography. It's a kind of pornography. Yes, yes. It's, it's conspiracy porn. That's what mm. it is. Um, I, I saw recently that part of John Cleese's promotion for his upcoming show in GB News is the notion that the BBC would never allow this sort of thing. And this has been a frequent line of attack, I think. But the BBC is not just bound by Ofcom rules. Is it? It's also bound by its charter, which is much, much stricter. Do you think this misunderstanding is at the at the heart of a lot of complaints, both ways, actually, that that people misunderstand what uh, an independent channel is allowed to say, and they also misunderstand what the BBC is allowed to say and demand from it things that it can't do. 
Well, there are certainly kind of different models of due impartiality working uh, here. And these, I think, are in flux too. I mean, you know, people who work for the BBC or contracted to the BBC know what they have to do while they're on air. If you're working at LBC, there's a different kind of model of balance where you get opinionated broadcasters. And the idea is that they sort of all balance out across the day. But the GB News model works very differently. Uh, I think what you get is like very like-minded people talking together, people who are, uh, who are quite a, in quite an unusual place politically, um, reinforcing each other's ideas. There's no real challenge. There's a lot of kind of fig leaf type uh, material on GB News where I think they calculate that if, for instance, Lady Victoria Hervey comes on and tells us that Klaus Schwab and the WEF are meeting in Davos to plan the next pandemic, that if the presenter says very mildly, oh, some people would say that was a conspiracy theory rather than, are you out of your mind? Um, then that that covers it. Now, to my mind, when people air views like that on GB News, they're not properly pushed back against. And that really is more to do with very low journalistic standards than anything else. You get people saying the most bizarre, unsupportable, false things and the presenter just sort of nodding them through rather than challenging them. And that, I think, is its most significant failure. And I think the reason for that failure is a combination of just really low journalistic standards and presenters who are actually members of this marginal crank conspiracist culture to which some of the guests also belong. But you're often not told that, and that's not declared, but... They are all going to the, you know, they're part of the same culture. You know, they meet, they do each other's podcasts, they have dinner together, um, they tweet pictures of themselves with each other, they have, go to rallies together. They're all in a kind of this, this, this funny little subculture. Well, okay, so, so the big pachyderm in the room, Matthew, is this. Why, isn't it better to go on and debate these people to provide the balance that you say What's the point? is lacking? What's or, the point? Or, I don't, or does that effectively my job? sort of balance my job? wash them? No yeah, way. Okay, no, look, if, if you, you go don't on that want channel, to, someone what? else. I, I d really, why bother? You can't debate conspiracy theorists. You just cannot do it. And why should anybody go on that channel and, and help them generate income? You know, let them come to somewhere, let them come somewhere else. And you know what? This has been tried. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say any names or any organisations because you know, hopefully this still might happen. But, you know, I have, I've been talking to an extremely reputable broadcasting organisation about, um, about having a discussion with somebody from GB News and nobody will come. You know, but I, I really think that the space of GB News is so deformed and weird that I just don't think it's a place for serious debate. It would be like going on RT. It would be like going on um, Mark, the Mark Stein YouTube channel. No decent person. Well, me, you know, that's an exaggeration. I think that if you go on GB News, you are, are sort of endorsing them to some extent. I don't want to sit with, with these people as equals. I, I don't take them I do not take them seriously. I think that, and the point that they won't accept invitations to go elsewhere is that on GB News, they can sort of present evidence of a plurality of views while still controlling the narrative, while still getting in the last word. Well, while, while outside that environment, they might not be able to control that. 
Well, I've certainly seen uh, you know, those moments on shows where you get some some crackpot plus some you know, somebody with some some uh, who perhaps in the case of like the vaccines, for instance, represents respectable and uh, evidence based work. The reality based community, we're supposed to call it, aren't we? I don't really like that phrase very much, but somebody who actually knows what they're talking about versus some cranky maverick who doesn't know what they're talking about. And that second person will will generally get the last word. Uh, and I mean, that's a failure of, of um, that's a journalistic failure. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I mean, you've, you've in fact been invited several times, if invited is the word, because we're seeing this sort of, I dare you to debate me, <laughs> macho, challenge more and more. I mean, Goodwin springs to mind. But but does does that point actually at a sort of desperation for relevance at the well, core well, of this project? You know what? I'll tell you the story about Mark Stein, shall I? Mark Stein, who who had Naomi Wolf on his show telling us that the 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 vaccine was a bioweapon, I think a Chinese bioweapon. In other places on the internet, Naomi Wolf will tell you that the Chinese are using the vaccine to assassinate local community leaders in her area. So, yes, I made some comment about uh, the, the quality of Mark Stein's work. Going to this thing about the rhetorical question, I mean, the great one of the, I think, the most nauseating aspect of of conspiracy culture is when they do that um, nothing to see here thing. You know, um, uh, the, the lovely right said Fred did it uh, yesterday. Um, nothing to see here, producing image of a, a booklet that was designed for children who'd been suddenly bereaved. And the people from Right Said Fred said, nothing to see here. The implication being that this was an acknowledgement that the vaccine is causing a, a kind of epidemic of, of sudden deaths. And, uh, you know, this booklet was produced in 2009. I mean, it's a standard thing. So that, that I find utterly repulsive. And I would say the same thing about Mark Stein, smarming over the deaths of young people on his GB News show, young athletes and young people who have died suddenly, um, who I think in most cases had heart attacks, putting their images on screen and implying that the vaccine had killed them with absolutely no evidence whatsoever. Now, again, we're only asking questions. There's no false statement being made. But, you know, we know what they're trying to say. And I think that that's a sort of indecent space, really. But when I criticised Mark Stein's utterances in this area, he started putting pictures of me up on screen, saying that I'd refuse to appear on the show. And I was saying to my agent, "Have you had any? Have you had any request from this?" And like he was doing this and ranting about me being too cowardly to appear. I think at least a week before the request actually came through, and it, you know, and then the answer was. Why on earth, why on earth would anybody want to sit in a studio with you? 
What? I mean, why? And I think you can see, if you see who they, they get to comment on, you know, vaccinations and COVID, see who they're getting. You can see that it's really hard for them to book genuinely authoritative figures on this. It's only the people from wacky organisations run by people who think that, um, uh, you know, have conferences where they say that, you know, the uh, vaccines cause autism, that old chestnut, all that nonsense, or that the vaccine contains magnets. Um, there's odd, odd cranky groups, you know, I, I, I can't be, I, I won't, I won't name them. They're there because I don't really want to, yeah, I just don't want to, to speak their, their names out loud, really. But when somebody who knows what they're talking about, uh, you know, vaccine-wise, goes on the the Neil Oliver program, you can see the, the sort of incredulity on their faces. Why doesn't GB News have a science editor? The answer, I think, nobody would, nobody with the qualifications would do the job. That, that's my humble suggestion. I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because there is a pattern of senior people leaving GB News and the speed at which it loses them, sort of from Andrew Neil onwards, senior executive producer Jill Penlington after a month, Guto Harry after a month, Simon McCoy after six months, head of television, new head of television, Helen Warner, only lasted four months. It's a long list. What is going on there, do you We'll think? never know because they all sign NDAs. <laughs> yes, know. okay. So, all right, speculate <laughs> for me. We don't that... see this kind of turnover elsewhere, do no, we? No, we don't. What, what I'll say is there are people working at, at GB News who I would say are journalists. And I think that GB News, there's a kind of... Um, you remember in Gremlins, where after midnight, the Gremlins turned into their more malignant version of you got water on them. Well, about six o'clock in the evening, somebody starts pouring the water... Um, and there's, there is a big disjunction. It's almost like two cultures, I think, at GB News. There's the, there's the sort of, there's the, the normal respectable day staff. And then, blimey, the evening schedule where, <laughs> well, where anything can happen, really. And I think there are, there are sort of two cultures there. You know, it's really interesting you should say that because I was looking at their viewing figures and much has been made of them, say, beating Sky News in a particular slot. Mm. Um, and it's always referring to primetime figures. But the truth is that primetime is not the same for news channels, right? Very few people mm. watch rolling news at 8 p.m. Yes, that's true. Yes. Yeah. So if you look at, at daily or monthly viewing figures, GB News is still really struggling. I looked at their latest monthly figures for March. And they were reaching around 2.7 million viewers mm. a month, which is just over a third of Sky News and just over a quarter of BBC News. Mm. And crucially, the average time of viewers spent on GB News was 40 seconds. Right. Okay. Mm. Um, well, I don't think it matters. How... I don't think it matters. I mean, it, it, well, it, it's no... not really, it's not, doesn't matter to the, to the people who are pouring money into it because they're, but, not, doing, but they're that's not doing it why... to make profit. No, but that's why it matters. And that's what mm. I wanted to ask. If no money is being made, if this operation is losing money hand over fist, then why is money being poured into it? And how long will these people continue to bankroll an organization like well, that? Who knows? It depends how long their appetite persists for this, you know, the project to kind of, um, you know, whatever it is, widen the Overton window, I think. So they can say these things that, uh, that nobody else will say. 
quite what they are, I don't know. But um, I think, uh, yeah, just as um, as long as it amuses them, I think, really, uh, or as long as they feel that it's like the right thing to do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not really the person to ask about that. I'm, I just kind of, I just sort of um, sit there shaking my head when I when I see all these peculiar... When I tell you what, the thing that really uh, puzzles me about it is, is when... I'm just curious about how connected the people who work there are with the really outlandish elements of conspiracist culture. Because one of the things I think most concerns me about it, and again, this doesn't really break any Ofcom rules, is when people on the channel are presented as experts. And then you look up who they are and you see that they come from a very sinister, unpleasant, uh, paranoid world. Um, but there's no there's no hint of their pedigree on on the screen. And then you think, well, how do they even know these people exist? Because they're not well known. They're total obscurities, really. But you will see, I mean, just on the Neil Oliver show, there was a, a woman who was introduced as an independent researcher. And she was speaking about, you know, the 15 minute city, this this uh, this idea that I think all the conspiracy theorists have gone crazy for because their predictions that people would be collapsing in the streets from the I mean, what a the... strange hill to die on. Well, it, no, it, it's not strange because it's a really good thing for them to latch on to because it's not really happening. The, the, the vaccine programme happened. And so we all have, we have lots of evidence about it. Klaus Schwab's um, plan to nail us into our homes and make us eat insects isn't happening. So you can stand there and say, we're really worried about this. We think it's going to happen. And you'll be able to stand there forever saying that. And that's how conspiracy culture works. It's a discourse. And this is, again, a good reason for not going on GB News. Don't add to that discourse. Don't add to it, because that's what they're doing. It's not really about saving the world from Klaus Schwab. It's about creating this cloud of nonsense to inhabit and sustain and comfort the people who get something out of it, really, I think. Okay, so to get serious for one moment, mm. what do you say to those who argue essentially that GB News is not creating a demand by supplying something, but is supplying something for which there is already demand? Well, it is. And in a way, one of the things it's measuring, I think, is the take of these ideas and their migration into the mainstream, which is something that should concern us all, really. I mean, I've been writing about this stuff for years, and I, the thing that that uh, that got me into it was when I was researching the organisation that's really the kind of the granddaddy of a lot of these things, the Lyndon LaRouche Group, who are, like, not, not very well known here, um, but were were a kind of trap in, into which some of the people who I was writing about, who were deserters from the Vietnam War, fell. And they lost themselves in this, in this cult and came to believe that they literally had been brainwashed by the CIA to assassinate the leader of their, their group. It, you know, credible sort of it crest file-like story. And so I used to have to go to the States to meet people like this and hear about how the Queen was going to uh, start World War Three. But now I just have to turn on GB News if the mood should take me. And the same kinds of conspiracy theories are being you know, recycled because th this is the, the key thing to understand about them. They're, they're old. They're always about something that's about to happen. But it's the same ideas recycled. That's why it's such a moribund culture, because it's just it's the same idea, the same plan for you know, global domination, except that, you know, 
in, in the early 20th century, it was the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Later on, you know, Rockefeller takes over as the villain. It was Soros for a while. Now it's uh, Bill Gates and, and Klaus Schwab. But it's always the same structure. It's always the same kind of secret plan, you know, place people, puppets everywhere, globe, you know, the globalists, all of that. It's the same kind of uh, the dead world, same dead world that they inhabit. But as I said, you used to have to go and work quite hard to, to find it. You used to have to subscribe to their newsletters, and which were all photocopied, and, you know, go to their meetings. And blimey, I've been to them, and I've, I've sung Mozart's Requiem with some of these people, because that was all part of their idea that we could keep all these people at bay by singing, singing Mozart. Um, and, uh, but now, you know, GB News presents a frothing Petri dish of this material, uh, most yeah, Mo Mozart ain't going to cure them. No. Um, look, to play devil's advocate, one of the counterpoints that I look at and I think that is a, a that is a respectable point of view, it's not a crazy thing, is that at the heart of it, there are certain debates like vaccines or lockdown or net zero or immigration that mainstream news providers have identified positions that are orthodox mm. and all else is blasphemy and they have sort of cordoned off debate when there are people out there that are not as convinced mm. as you and I might be well don't make any don't make any assumptions about my about what uh, about my what I'm convinced by mm. Isn't that the gap within yeah, which misinformation totally. thrives? Yes, it is, and I think that uh, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that um, if if uh, if GB News could kind of steer this course and and but without reference, without being seduced by uh, the conspiracy culture that that seems to be you know sort of in their bloodstream now, then that would be absolutely reasonable, absolutely. But I think you know what other broadcasters and media organizations have to ask themselves is is why people want this stuff why they're seduced by it and they have to produce it's incumbent upon them i think to produce something that is more attractive and more satisfying and more complete because you're absolutely right a desire for this material it, you know represents a failure elsewhere in the system let me wrap up by by asking you this. GB News, I think, is ultimately fairly honest about its quality and its agenda. I mean, viewers know what they're going to get in that sense. Isn't the real problem the lack of an unashamedly, let's call it, progressive alternative? You mentioned the Overton window a few times. And yes, the problem, I think, is not that it's being widened, but that it's being dragged to the right mm. at the moment. So. Would you object to a channel if it were populated by people you admired and, and, and echoed your views? Well, you're making assumptions about what my views are. All I want is for people to tell the truth to the best of their abilities uh, and not produce a kind of uh, pornography of misinformation. I don't care what their views are, but I want their views to be examined, whatever they are. There's no, there's no particular political valency for this. Conspiracy culture is something that thrives on the right and on the left and in that place where they join, if you want to see it like that. And, um, you know, I think as long as people are not um, misinforming the public, they can say what they want.
Matthew Sweet, thank you so much for a, a, a really good chat that involved a, a lot more porn references than I would have anticipated. I take it all back. You are a national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, yes. I, I, I don't know even what that means, really. Remember, listeners, there's a new bunker pretty much every day. So if you like our work, you can and should support our work for as little as £3 a month on the funding platform Patreon. Just search for Bunker Podcast Patreon. I leave you with the words of legal scholar and nudge expert Cass Sunstein. When like-minded people get together, they tend to end up thinking a more extreme version of what they thought before they started to talk. The result can be a situation in which beliefs do not merely harden, but migrate towards the extreme ends. When a group responding to false information becomes more strident, efforts to correct the record may make things worse. This is Alexandreo in the bunker saying over and out. The Bunker was written and presented by Alex Andre. The producer was Liam Tate, with audio production by me, Simon Williams. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. The group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott, The Bunker is a Podmasters production. Podmasters.